Hi everyone, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Lucy and I'm the curate at NCS. And this week I'm really excited about the topic um, that I, uh, I've been asked to speak to you about. Um, when I figured out what I'd be saying kind of roughly earlier this week and I was thinking through it, everything I heard on the radio or watched on TV or the conversations I had, all of them, I was like, that connects to what I'm going to say. And I am sure I really annoyed my husband Nat by the amount of times I said, this so applies to what I'm going to talk about on Sunday. And he humoured me at first, but eventually when I tried to connect it to the film Wayne's World, um, he just looked at me and said, Lucy, no. But anyway, I don't think it's a coincidence that um, everything seemed to link to this topic because I feel like it speaks really, really importantly and vitally into the calling we have as a church at the moment, um, as well as the calling I think this cultural moment has in society, and also individual callings that we have as Christians time and time again. So I feel like it was kind of okay that my week's thought life has been entirely occupied by this. So the passage I've been asked to talk about is from 2 Chronicles 7.14, and it goes like this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This passage is part of what God says to Solomon, King Solomon, after he has um, built the temple. And him and the priests have recently just humbled themselves to God, essentially. They've, they've admitted that they need him and they have humbled themselves to him. And this is part of a vision where God appear, appears to Solomon and speaks directly to him and says, if you will humble yourself, the nation will humble yourselves and, and come to me, then I will listen and I will heal your land. So what's really important to recognise here, just to give a little bit of unpacking, but we'll move on quite quickly and kind of unpack and see how this applies in our lives, but to just unpack the passage a little bit, I think it can be quite easy when we look at Old Testament God to assume an angry, um, maybe a spiteful God. Um, and it's really, really not the case here. The way, the way it can be read can come across kind of harsh, you know, you think, God will only um, only help them if they will humble themselves. And I think humbling ourselves is, is both a good thing in the way we see it in society, but also quite a negative thing, you know. Why should I have to humble myself? But this God, the God of the Old Testament, our God, here isn't saying, you know, you haven't given me enough, enough attention for a few years, so I'm just going to ignore you. He wants the people who he has given his name to, his children, he wants them to come to him for help. He wants them to remember that they're his children and to ask for the help that he can so easily provide. But they haven't been doing that and that's the problem. So, as I am sure you are all very aware by now, the church, our church, NCS, um, is in a season at the moment we feel a season to be called to a time of prayer, of fasting and of seeking God's face. So this passage really does envelop that. So when I was thinking about what I could offer today, what I could add to what's already been said, I basically landed on this. We need to humble ourselves and pray. And we need to pray to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves and pray, and we need to pray to humble ourselves. I don't know if any of you know the Lauren Hill song, 
to Zion of Zion in Zion. I should have remembered that. But in this song, so this is one of the things that I heard on the radio and I was like, this song applies. But this, this song in it, Lauren talks about um, when she was pregnant with her son. But in it, um, her friends are saying to her, you know, think about your career. You know, you need to think about yourself right now. You are, you know, you're the master of your own destiny. This is stupid. Don't, don't do this thing. But then an angel appears to her and says, get down on your knees and pray. And when she does that, her whole perspective changes. And the chorus of the song says, and the joy of my world is in Zion. She shifts her perspective from thinking of herself as the ultimate good, as the ultimate um, centre of the universe, really, and shifts her perspective to a heavenly one. She loves her son and she loves God. Her joy, the joy of her world is in Zion. And it, really interestingly, it connects so perfectly to last week, what Giles spoke to us about. So Giles spoke to us last week about us as a community of faith, a prayerful community, moving forward, marching like an army and the power of us all coming together. And this song, towards the end, um, it kind of carries on with the same line over and over again. And it's marching, marching, marching. Um, I really recommend the song. I think everyone should listen to it, but it really does speak into this, this mood, this season that I think we're in um, at the moment. But anyway, I have two questions that I want to unpack in the rest of the next 10 minutes or so while I share with you. I have two questions and those questions are, why don't we humble ourselves to God? Why don't we um, get down on our knees and pray and admit that we are helpless without him? Why don't we do that? And the second one is kind of similar, but the other side of the coin, how do we do that? So. Why do we do this? Why, why don't we do this rather? Why don't we get down on our knees? Why don't we humble ourselves before our God? As Christians and people of faith who trust in God, um, who have chosen to receive his salvation, I am assuming that most people watching this don't need, um, need me to do an apologetic to, to persuade you that we need to humble ourselves. I'm assuming that we all know that we need to humble ourselves. But if, um, if you would like to have that conversation, if you would like me to try and persuade you, if you would like to argue with me, please drop me an email or something. We'll have that conversation another time. But for now, I'm assuming that we all know, essentially, even if we know we don't do it, we know we should humble ourselves before God. So why don't we do it? Why do we struggle to do that? In essence, humbling ourselves before God looks like removing ourselves from the place of God in our own lives and putting God back in that place. And that is something that we really do struggle to do, even when we don't know we're struggling to do it. Maybe um, maybe the reason I've been thinking about this so much this week is I feel very challenged by it. Um, and I think, I, think that's, that's, I think a lot of us will feel challenged by this. I don't think it is just me. We want to have control. We want to do things by our own strength and according to our own agendas, our own desires. The issue is, and you can see this when you look um, at the, the sort of cultural moment we're in at the moment, when each of us relies on our own desires, our own worldviews, our own perspective to be the ultimate good, it doesn't pay off, you know? We see with the, the Black Lives Matter movement, with the fact that um, societies, whole societies have been complicit in systems that have oppressed people, and we're part of that. 
We can see it in, um, in the fact that in this very city, there are many of us who have an abundant amount of food and way too many resources. And there are others who are having to rely on food banks to get through the week. When we rely on our own needs, our own desires, our own, um, our own sense of perspective and will for the world as the ultimate good, it doesn't pay off. And God wants to help us. He wants us to reframe our perspective to his heavenly perspective. He wants to use us to heal things. He wants us to, um, to know that we are his children and to live as his children. And the second reason that I think that we struggle to humble ourselves before God is that we often as Christians feel like we need to be perfect. We feel like we need to be better than everyone who isn't a Christian. We feel like we need to present the fact that we're now fixed, we're now whole because we're Christians. And actually by doing that, we're ignoring the incredible majesty of being able to come back to our Lord time and time again and say, Lord, forgive me, I am sinful, I am broken and I need you to, to heal me. And in those moments, we truly humble ourselves. But when we kind of ignore that, when we push stuff under the surface, think, oh, I'm a Christian, I shouldn't be thinking that. Oh, I'm a Christian, I shouldn't have done that. We're not truly humbling ourselves before our Lord. When I was thinking about this, um, this passage and this topic, another story from the Bible popped into my head, probably just because I read it recently. Um, but this is the story from Luke of the tax collector and the Pharisee. So I'm just going to um, read it for you now. Incidentally, it was my favourite story as a child. I have no idea why. I don't think I understood it, but it was my favourite story. So the story goes like this. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. I was talking at a New Wine um, Discipleship Year thing, the one based at Wadsley, if any of you know it. And, um, and the first question I asked when we were when we were kind of discussing um, discussing as a group was, what are the things that you hear people say about Christians? Maybe unsurprisingly, the first few words that came out of people's mouths were hypocrite, perfect in inverted commas, judgmental. And that might be unfair, it might be um, untrue that we're, well, I think, I hope it is untrue that we're all like that. But if the perception of Christians is that pervasive, that, that this idea, this picture is so, um, so 
just how people see Christians in our society, in our world, then there must be some truth in it. When we, when we present ourselves as perfect, when we maybe think of ourselves like that Pharisee and say, well, you know what, I'm doing pretty good. And you know what, I am, I'm following this calling of the church to pray and fast and I'm doing it really, really well. When we sort of act like that and we forget or hide the bad sides of us, the broken sides of us, then we're not humbling ourselves before God. We're not remembering who we are as his children. C.S. Lewis puts this, um, this really, really well. So I, I'll just say what he says rather than making up my own words. In the same way, a Christian is not a man who never goes wrong, but a man who is enabled to repent and pick himself up and begin over again after each stumble, because the Christ life is inside him, repairing him all the time, enabling him to repeat in some degree the kind of voluntary death which Christ himself carried out. When we humble ourselves and remember that we're broken and present ourselves to Jesus, in that moment, we are remembering what he did for us. And we are really reliving that moment of the cross. And that is a really holy and important moment to experience in our lives. So now we've kind of talked about why we maybe don't do it, why we should do it. Um, so let's quickly now explore how we do it. And to be honest, the answer is really simple. The answer is prayer. <laughs> how we humble ourselves is prayer. There's some, something kind of naturally humble in prayer because it recognises that the answers to our problems are not in ourselves, but they're in God. So purely that posture, that assumption of, of the fact that we need God by expressing that to him, we are humbling ourselves. In the very act of praying, we're saying to God, I'm not strong enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not wise enough, but I want to be. And I want you to help me to be, and I want you to move in this, this issue, this area that I've, I've brought before you. And in this parable, we see two types of prayer. One is the self-edifying one, the building yourself up, um, assuming that 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 you're um, you're doing everything pretty pretty well right, and the other is the humble one, the confession one. Now these are caricatures. Um, the Pharisee and the tax collector. I don't think either of us can necessarily fully relate to the Pharisee. I don't think many of us have prayed that exact prayer. But they're caricatures, and actually there are things about that prayer that I think probably most of us can are have probably been guilty of. I'm sure we can all think of times when praying has turned into complaining, complaining about someone or a situation um, or turning to God in the hope of finding an echo chamber, you know, saying this thing's totally wrong, God. And God's saying, you're not asking me to tell you what I think about it. When we do that, we're, we're kind of we're putting ourselves on the same level as God rather than asking him as our father to show us his heart and show us his will. Often, like in this story, the tools that we're meant to use to humble ourselves, we actually use to elevate ourselves. And I think that is um, a warning, potentially, in this time as a church, that by um, having a season of praying and fasting and pressing into God, we're not 
doing it to make ourselves especially holy or the holiest church in Sheffield or anything like that. We're doing it to humble ourselves and to remember our place before our Lord. I shared this in morning prayer a couple of weeks ago, um, so sorry if you're in that, but um, one of the things that I really, really love about Anglican liturgy um, and, the, and being an Anglican is that in every single service, so when I was at college, that was every single day, we said a confession and we also said a creed. And in saying those two things, when I came into that chapel and I was forced to say these words of confession, it meant that even when I didn't want to, I was forced to say to God, I am so sorry, I am broken and I know that I am not worthy to be called your child. But then in the creed and you hear that the majesty of God, I'm remembered I am so lucky to be invited into, into communion with this God and what a beautiful, beautiful thing that is. And through, through prayer, whether it's liturgical and, you know, guiding you through that experience, whether it's just informal, whether it's sung prayer, whether it's silent prayer, however you do it, that act of praying is meant to bring us closer to the face of God. The act of praying is meant to bring us intimacy with our Lord, however that works for you. But that is why we do it. We do it to... Um, to be intimate with God and also to, to invite him into our hearts, to change the way we see things, to fix things and to empower us to do his will. I think a lot of people are feeling the same way at the moment. I think there is something about this, um, this cultural moment in our society that is leading people to, to think similarly. And yesterday, or maybe the day before, Rend Collective um, posted on Instagram something very similar. Um, and they said this, maybe the worship that tears down walls and moves mountains isn't yet another big anthem proclaiming victory, but a far smaller, humble song saying, we're sorry, help us to do better. I thought I would just end with um, another C.S. Lewis quote. I found this one um, when I was looking for the other one. I haven't heard it before, but it's very good and I think it really applies. Um, it's really important to remember, and I think this is, this is how I want to end it. It's really important to remember that God doesn't humble us just to push us down. He humbles us because he wants to raise us up. And again, C.S. Lewis puts it better. So this is from Screwtape Letters. So um, it's from the perspective of a demon. If you haven't read the book, that sounds very strange, but it does explain the, the, the way it's said here. When he, God, talks of their losing their selves, he means only abandoning the clamour of self-will. Once they have done that, he really gives them back all their personality and boasts, I'm afraid sincerely, that when they are wholly his, they will be more themselves than ever. We don't humble ourselves and lose ourselves to disappear, to become nothing, to become, um, to, to be pushed down. We do all of that in order for God to pick us up, to lift us up and to um, ask us to join with him in being victorious, in being part of his army.